You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school. Welcome to the Orange is the New Black Podcast. We are your hosts, Ace and Zim. Zim, what's up, bro? Nothing much, man. Just living my life. <laughs> Who they? How y'all doing? <laughs> Hope that didn't mess up just now. I like. Yeah, it did a little bit. It did a little bit. Um, but okay, yeah. um, we're doing we're doing okay. Before we get into everything, though, we do have a major announcement coming. This is not an April Fool's joke or anything. Uh, but officially, this has kind of been in, in works for a couple weeks now. Um, this will be the last episode on Cincy Jungle of the Orange is the New Black podcast. Um, we are extremely grateful for them. They obviously gave us our first opportunity. Uh, we enjoy being here. So this was nothing about Cincy Jungle whatsoever. Um, it is always going to be good between us. I mean, I grew up watching Anthony Cazenza and the Inside the Jungle podcast. So being able to be on Cincy Jungle and having the respect of people like John Sheeran and everybody over there and just Cincy Jungle in general um, definitely made this a hard decision. But for us, it was just an opportunity that we couldn't pass up. So nothing nothing bad between us and Cincy Jungle at all. Um, just new opportunities for us. Zim, was there anything that you wanted to say? Yeah, I, I, um, I, hope, I hope this is clear. Okay, yeah, we're good. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. For me, you know, it's just it, we're we're about to start and do some real crazy things. I think moving forward, like you said, you know, we're still gonna work with. I'm pretty sure we'll be still reaching out, doing some stuff with Anthony and John all the time. I can imagine. So I'm really hype about it. We got a new pod that's jumping off. Same same two guys going crazy, doing a bunch of stuff. Same winning attitude, same winning formula, all that type of stuff. So that's that's where we're at and. Not an April Fool's. This is not an April Fool. We couldn't have picked the worst time to announce this. At first, we were actually thinking of having the show Thursday, and then we we had some scheduling conflicts. So we did it on Friday, and I was literally telling uh, Zim before the show, I'm like, nobody's going to believe us because it's April Fool's. But this is not an April Fool's joke. Um, This is true. We are starting a new podcast. It's going to be called the Winston Podcast. Um, So be on the lookout for that. Make sure that you follow me and Zim there. But um, we love you guys and we want to talk Bengals. So obviously, uh, the Bengals have been a little stagnant Zim over the last couple of weeks, but there hasn't, there hasn't been any, uh, movement on the free agent or free agency front. Right. But there has been kind of some build up to the draft. Like as far as what the Bengals are looking at in the draft, I know a lot of people have talked about McBride and them having a lot of activity on the tight end range. What are some of the positions as we look forward to the draft that you're looking forward to the Bengals having? 
Uh, for me, I've been posing a question. I put in, I put a good, uh, a good uh, poll out there where I was asking people who would they rather have. I put Linderbaum, the center, uh, Devontae Wyatt, the, the, the three-tech defensive tackle, and then Andrew Booth Jr. I think those are three guys that potentially could be there at 31. There's always going to be somebody that says, none of those guys are going to be there. Well, that means somebody else that's really good is going to fall down too. But those are the three position groups that I think that the Bengals should be looking at uh, with the with the first picks. And, and the only reason why I say the center one is because I feel like you went and got carries so that it can have versatility. Um, those, those are the three that I will be looking at. I, there are a couple safety options. The story that came out, I think, yesterday, came, it got rehashed again about the Bengals working towards something with Jesse Bates. I think it's kind of telling, too, that they're not done with it. But even with that said, you still got to be looking at safety. Also, it has also been linked that the Bengals have been linked to two tight ends in the draft, one of them being McBride, who they had a virtual meeting with. And I I think an in-person one. I don't want to get quoted incorrectly on that one. But McBride is um, the tight end. He actually ran uh, 40 times between 4.5 and 4.6. And that's what we're looking for. Like, I think Lighty, I think, uh, ran that too. And then the guy from Maryland, too, ran a 4-5 as well. But tight end is definitely on the table because regardless of what happens with uh, Hayden Hurst, you still got to have a backup plan with Sample going into his last year as well, too. So No, I, I agree. I agree with you. Uh, one of the things that we talked about in addition to those positions I think safety is another one, right? Like I was just actually doing some research on just like how the safety room has transformed over the years and just the corner room in general. Um, And those have been two rooms that have really like transformed a lot since uh, the Bengals new coaching staff came in with Lou Anarumu, right? You're talking about our safety room that used to have Clayton Fedulum, Sean Williams, and a number of other guys. And they've kind of moved on from that, right? But really, like Jesse Bates has really exclusively been the free safety. Now, Von Bell did get an uptick in snaps of alignment from that standpoint last year than he did his first season with the Bengals. But Jesse Bates is still going to give you seven to eight hundred snaps from that position. Is this going to be a year where the Bengals ensure themselves in a, a draft where they do have a lot of safeties, where even if they expect Jesse Bates to be there, do they still take a safety after that? And that's a huge possibility because after him, you have Brandon Wilson, who's really just kind of a special teamer, right? And then after him, you have Michael Thomas, who, you know, had some snaps, but really was very limited there. So you can't walk into next year in a position of free safety just with no Jesse Bates and no one there. So I think free safety could be a position that surprises um, in the first couple of rounds, like anywhere from from one to three, I think there is a possibility of that happening. How do you feel about the safeties as far as and I don't know if you've gotten into that crop of safeties yet, because I think we all didn't expect to be looking at safeties. But obviously, with the with the situation that the Bengals are facing, who were some of those prospects that you could see potentially filling in that free safety reserve role or or maybe it's even I think you also talked about. Von Bell is also up potentially soon as well. So who are some safeties that you kind of see from this draft uh, the Bengals looking at to kind of put in there? One of the main ones that I have taken a look at is the kid Daxton Hill from Michigan. Um, That's a guy that's got a a bunch of range. Uh, Haven't looked at enough to really have um, 
a real crazy take on him, I guess. But right. outside of Cal, Cal Hamilton, 100% is the best safety in this class. He, he might go top five, right? right. After right. that, to me, I thought that uh, Daxton Hill was the next, you know, the next good safety. And, he, and he's, got a, he's got the ability to even check some wide receivers at times as well, too. So I think in Lou Anarumo's system, it works really well. The other one is Louis Seen, and that's the guy from Georgia. Um, the the kid Brickster from Penn State, that's another safety that's pretty good as well, but I haven't I haven't looked at him at all. But Seen is the one, and Daxon Hill are the two that I think kind of match up with what the Bengals might be looking at from a size-wise and, and all those things. And those are the top of the draft type of guys that could still be there at 31 because – as I said before, just because you're picking at 31 doesn't mean that we're waiting for 30 other teams to, you know, pick a position that we want. You gotta think. You gotta think five to six wide receivers are gonna come off the board. Yeah. You gotta think that a, a couple of quarterbacks, hopefully two, maybe even three, come off the board as well. So now you're like you're cutting down the amount of positions and different things. And that's something that could push like a Daxton Hill down the board. I think Lewis Seen might still like he might be there because a lot of people have like a second round grade on him as well. Right, right. Um... But Daxton Hill is, is definitely a guy I think plug and play day one Ricardo Allen replacement. You move them year two and two. That's another you, one. Ricardo Hill is also going. Yeah, that's another one. Zoom. It sounds like it's some weird feedback coming from uh, your headset after we just started talking. So I'm not sure what's going on there. It's like a little staticky. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you as well. You talk about Ricardo Allen. He was another guy that unexpectedly retired. So even outside of you know the, there's just a lot of question marks at the depth of the safety position and just the future of it. Like they they don't really have anything there um, outside of the first two guys. And that's no disrespect against the guys that they have there, but they do have Trayvon Henderson coming back who I was a fan of, but he only got in, I believe one snap last year. Um, and I think he ended up getting hurt or something like that, but he hasn't really gotten a huge chance from the Bengals. So I think that this is a draft that they could look at that position in depending on who those guys are, like you said, if it's a Daxton Hill, if it's a Brickster, if it's a Lewis Sign, if it's a Jalen Petre or Kirby Joseph, like those are guys that they could look at. I would expect them to at least take one of those guys. Um, And so, yeah, we'll have to see what they end up doing. I got a super chat here from my man Rowdy Everglatt for $5. I watched Andrew Booth every game at Clemson. He's the real deal. Great footwork and elite ball locating skills. I have to agree. I think, like, and just to be clear for those listening and that may not be familiar with the draft, uh, Andrew Boo Jr., uh, I think me and Zim, I think that that's our favorite prospect or one of our favorite prospects that will be realistic um, at 31. That's, like, the best-case scenario for us, obviously, because you're not going to be able to get a sauce. You're not going to be able to get uh, the, uh, the other kid out of LSU, um, you're not going to be able to get either of those guys. So Andrew Booth is probably the most realistic guy that you could probably look at. Um, and so I think that he's a, to me, to me, this is just my opinion. I think that he's better than Kyer Elam. And that's not a shot at anybody. I mean, I'm just saying what I, from what I watched, it was a completely different uh Level. I'm not saying that he was far and away better than him, but if you talk about just like tackling ability, I think from that perspective, yes, for sure. Uh, but um, for me, I'm on the Andrew Booth side. 
we'll have to see what Elam does as well. Those guys will likely be there. Uh, but Zim, let me ask you because I'm on. If if it's between those two, I kind of lean towards Andrew Booth. What is your take on that? Because I know that you like Kyrie as well as as Andrew as well. Yeah, but I like Booth way better. I feel like Booth is only falling down to this point because we're just at this weird part of the combine where a lot of guys didn't test as well. Um, I don't know if people knew this, but Andrew Booth is suffering with uh, from a sports hernia. So that's also part of the reason why he's, he's probably going to fall down to us. But I feel like after Sauce and Stingley, I, I feel like Booth is the next guy. There are guys that would say uh, McDuffie from Washington, I feel like, is up there. And then the kid, uh, Kyler, from Washington as well. But they, but to me, Kyler, did, he ran a 40 slow. I think that Booth is a guy, like, size-wise, uh, uh, ball skills or whatever, as far as, like, the ball being in the air, catching it. You, you see highlights of him with one-handed catches, all these different things. I think Elam has more, like, characteristics like personality wise where they question like his dog or he gave up in like two different games where he he, he just had bad body language and stuff like that so those are the ways that I kind of stray away from it ironically enough he kind of reminds me and I don't know if people this might scare people away or whatever he reminds me a lot of Drake Kirkpatrick right I don't know I don't know if you had told me that one day too but mm-hmm. or may, okay well he plays a lot like Drake Kirkpatrick, Elam does with that, but Booth mm-hmm. to me is a lot more aggressive. Booth likes to get right up in your chest when the ball's up in the air. Another kid, McCready, who keeps on getting mocked to us too, the corner from Auburn. Mm-hmm. He's very aggressive and stuff as well, too. But the problem with him, I feel like he's undersized. They list him at 5'11, but to me, he looks like he's like 5'10. People that I know that have seen him in person, he looks smaller. He looks more of a slot corner to me. And to me, to take that with your first-round pick, I just wouldn't do it. Andrew Booth, I think because of him falling down, the quarterbacks like now, Matt Corral looking really good, Desmond Ritter looking good, it's going to push some guys down the the board. And then Chris Olave, like wide receivers are getting pushed up. So that's where the cornerback talk kind of happens. And to me, outside of Stingley and Sauce, those that that's like my next favorite corner. And I'm hoping McDuffie goes all the board. When you start to see like a run on them, like like when you get the round, like pick number 14, 15, 16, something like that, mm-hmm. if you see one of them go, it's probably bad news for us, I think. Like yeah. on draft night. Yeah, I think uh, for me, one of the guys, he's not an outside guy, and I'm not really actually looking at this guy as a primary uh, corner, but – one of the guys that I really feel like he will fit in this role and he kind of solves two needs for the Bengals. And this is probably a guy that I could see them taking in the third or fourth round and only because they've Darren Simmons has kind of beat the drum on wanting a kick returner that's going to scare the daylights out of another team. Right. And I feel like a guy that can fit both of those modes is uh, the kid out of Houston. Uh, I believe his name is Marcus Jones. He's a corner. Um, he's an elite returner. He's been compared to Dante Hall. As And for those listening that don't know or aren't old enough to remember who Dante Hall is, this guy was like literally one of the best returners in NFL history. Before there was Devin Hester, it was Dante Hall. Um, but not only can this guy return, right, and, and can return from any kind of aspect, he's also a very solid corner. Normally you get these guys like the Devin Hesters um, and those guys, and they're just – not really good corners, right? Like Devin Hester wasn't really a good DB. Devin Hester was really just an athlete. He didn't have an actual position. 
Marcus Jones is not one of those guys. He can actually play corner. The issue with him is that he is somewhat small. So when you talk about his frame of being 5'8", 178, he is a smaller guy. But I would rather have him kind of in that Jalen Davis kind of role, right, for us, where he's kind of the backup reserve slot corner that you could have in there. Um, and it's a guy that could not only play that slot position for you, that would probably be his secondary kind of position. His primary position would obviously be kick return and punt return. This guy has game winning touchdowns. All you got to do is just um, essentially YouTube or Google this guy's name and you'll see what kind of kick return ability that he has. And to me, Darren Simmons used the name Adam Jones and Pac-Man Jones and Pac-Man was dangerous as a returner, but he was also good as an as a corner. I probably even say elite at some point when he was on the outside. Um, this guy doesn't play outside because of his size, but this is a guy that can play um, some solid coverage at corner. He has shown the ability to get some interceptions. And that's the thing when he gets his hand on the ball, he can take it all the way back to the house. And that's what you kind of felt. Um, when you had Pac-Man Jones, whether it was a kick return, punt return, interception, Jones was a guy that could also take it to the house. And a lot of people, someone in the comments is saying that they feel like Jones can also play on the offense, too. And I agree with that. He's kind of a player um, that is extremely special with what he can do with the ball in his hands. You just find opportunities to get him that ball and he can do something. So for me, I would love to see that guy um, in a Bengals uniform. But if they do take an Andrew Booth, in the first, I don't know if they still take another corner, even though it would be an inside corner versus an outside one. But I think he's a guy that hits, you know, two buckets instead of one. Now, all right. Speaking of Houston, check this out. When I was going through, like, my three texts and, and checking out different guys that I like, like Devontae Wyatt, and I actually even talked to uh, Goodberry about this yesterday. As, as great as he seems and earlier in this in – this, um, in this combine, uh, before we even got to the combine, everybody's like, slam dunk, that's the next Geno, Georgia, right? He is older, and I didn't realize how old he was. He's like 24, almost about to turn 25, and he's never had like a monster year. But So I started looking at other three techs, and that's a guy that everybody early on was like, man, he'll never fall to the Bengals. There is another guy that I think I'm, I looked at here, I watched a bunch of his games yesterday night, uh, Logan Hall, the defensive, he's like a three tech. He could he could go he can go inside outside. Logan Hall, Houston, huge person, 6'6", 290 pounds, arm length thirty two three in a, in a quarter. Right. The only thing that I saw that he would have early on trouble with is probably getting off of double teams. Um, I thought that he was uh, he lacked like body control on a lot of different stuff. I wrote a bunch of good notes on it last night. Um, his his lower body, I feel like he needs to like kind of like fill out some more or whatever, just to kind of like strengthen out like his tree trunk, what I call it or whatever. Because just the lower body part of him, like when you see him, he's he's almost like a Dunlap type type guy. But to be a three tech that we want him to be or whatever, he has to get his base like stronger. But I think early on though, man, I'm telling you, like the guy, he 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 will 100% be plug and play. I don't think he gives you everything that Ogan Joby gives you. But it's, it's the type of frame that I think that the Bengals kind of wanted when they looked at the Marcus Hunter of the world. But this is a guy that actually had productivity. Um, he, he can torque. He keeps his feet charging all the time. His slaps and everything, all of his moves are, like, violent. His swim moves are violent. Like, everything, he's explosive. Like, when the ball snaps, he's the first guy to hit. That's another guy. Um, also, the, the, the guy from Tennessee, 
I can't think of his name right now. And the kid from uh, UConn, Travis Jones, who we've been talking about too. Those are other guys that I think that the Bengals could be looking at as early as round one or two. Those are in in the, because now there's about four or five guys that I like. I can see them trading back into the second and doing that. But I only brought that up because you brought up like Houston. And when I was looking, I was looking at somebody else from Houston. And then that's what led me to start looking at him. But there are going to be a lot of people that start to jump on his on on his bandwagon soon. Yeah, like uh, the uh, the other thing that I meant to mention was you guys know that I do the the prime joint or whatever, and I was looking at some of the guys that would be targets for the Bengals just based off of some of the traits that they may have similarities to guys that they've drafted in the past, and uh, they've got Andrew Boo Jr. on here, uh, somewhat pretty high. I um, mean, then he is followed by. Um, Sauce Gardner, which isn't going to happen. And then you got Stingley after him. And then you have Elam. So it's going to be between those two guys if we're basing it off of their history. And then that follows Kyler Gordon, Matt Martin, Emerson, uh, Caleb Evans. And then you start to get into some of those mid-round guys. So based off of some of the things that we've seen from them recently, those could be guys that they could be looking at potentially at that point. Um, If you are just now joining this show, if you didn't hear earlier, um, this will be the last episode of me and Zim having the Orange is New Black podcast on the Cincy Jungle platform. Uh, the podcast that we're going to continue with will not be called Orange is the New Black. It's going to be called the Cincinnati Podcast. So make sure that you subscribe to that. Uh, make sure that you check the description and me and his YouTube channels uh, for the YouTube channel. And then we're also going to be in the audio podcast. We're going to be coming with that next week. We're already putting some nice things together for that. Um, we're definitely going to try to take this thing to another level. And we knew that this was something that we had to do to grow. So we appreciate everybody for tuning in um, and we appreciate all of you guys for sure. So um, definitely appreciate that. Zim, was there anything else that you wanted to touch on uh, Bengals related? Uh, I think soon we're going to do some stuff with some uh, with some uh, draft stuff coming up really soon. Um, we got a bunch of stuff, I think, that's that's headed you guys way. I've made a, a lot of good contacts along the way. So uh, we're supposed to have a good interview coming up and probably as early as next week on a new platform. So someone said in the comments, they said, well, will it still be on Facebook? It won't be attached to the Facebook, uh, uh, our new pod, the Cincinnati podcast. Uh, just go and subscribe to that on YouTube. Uh, what I was going to say, I don't really have anything Cincinnati based. I think like continue to follow like our Twitter, consider continue to follow like our Instagram. Um, continue to go to Midwest Best Barbecue For to sure. go get you. Now that we're at lunchtime, you're 1230, you're in Cincinnati or you're near Loveland right now. Go ahead on over to Midwest Best Barbecue. Um, we're also going to be talking to a lot of local sponsors, too. So if you have an idea or you have something that you want us to promote coming up, please make sure you message us. And uh, yeah. And if yeah. you're looking at the correct spelling of Cincinnati, too, it's, it's right there written in my name right there. Zim, just, uh, and if you're listening at home, it's just like Cincinnati, but with a W. So it's going to be the Cincinnati podcast. So as of now, um, it's just going to be a podcast and a YouTube channel. We do have a website in the works. We have made some contacts in a way. I don't want to spoil too much, but we got some pretty good things um, and pretty exciting things 
that we want to do with this. And so we appreciate Cincy Jungle for even putting us into this kind of position to even do something like this. So much love to them. It was, and if you are joining late, it has nothing to do with Cincy Jungle. We were forever grateful. We had a great working relationship with them. Um, it was just something that we wanted to expand to. So much love to them. And you will definitely probably see us still collaborating with them in some type of situation moving forward. Right. And I was going to say, continue to make sure that you check out the OBI, um, you know, podcast and, and check out their channel. And I don't know what they'll have planned, like, you know, like moving forward in this spot right here. But I know that Anthony and John will be able to handle it. They got a bunch of good stuff still coming out. And Matt Minute still has a bunch of good stuff coming out as well, too. So don't by all means, please make sure you continue to follow. Yeah, them. Continue I'm, to I'm, ho- I'm, I'm hoping that we'll be able to have them come on our new platform be able to talk to us on there too. I'm pretty sure we are. Cause like they said, ain't nothing happened. We're just moving to our next step. And I think now that Bengals are winning and a lot of things have changed, <laughs> we're about to go and win really, really big too. And I think as a collective, everybody that's been following us all this time, please make sure you go and subscribe to that. And um, yeah, and I, and I promise you, we're about to take it up another notch. Yeah. Fact. So with that being said, um, one thing I want to touch on is, is definitely paying tribute to Cincinnati. I think a, a name that I've been hearing tossed around a lot is Kobe Bryant. What are your thoughts on the prospects of, of Kobe Bryant being a Cincinnati Bengal? And what do you think that he can bring? Is he a day one starter? Like keeping it funky, like not because that, that's the one thing that I like about me and you is we don't really watch college that much. So we don't mm-hmm. have the attachment to it. Like as far as, you know, that kind of cloud in our judgment. But do you feel and this is no shot at Kobe Bryant. um, Do you think that he is like a day one starter at that position or is he a guy that can grow into that that day one starter? If not. No, for for this team, no. But but this is the thing that happens a lot in football, too. And whether they were to go get another vet corner or whatever, whether it like say they went and got Stefan Gilmore, like that people wanted. Right. And I apologize for the audio, guys. My microphone, something happened, so I had to go with my in-ear. But um, say that say that they went like uh, Stephon Gilmore or whatever, you still had to double down in the draft at corner. So just because right. we're talking about Andrew Brew early, I, I would not be mad at Like, if Kobe is there, like, now this is the part where it gets kind of tricky, and it depends on the board, mm-hmm. and it's really tricky that we're at the back end of the second – I think that Kobe would be like one of the first guys off the board in round three. So if the Bengals have a higher grade on them, I don't think anybody will be looking at them like that's funny or anything like that. If they took them like in in the late second, me personally, I don't think that's where I would go. If somebody like McBride or somebody was there, I'd probably opt to go there. But Kobe for this team probably would not start. I think he would compete and be able to have like, you know, eight, 10 snaps a game day one though. Right. So I, I don't know. You. That's the thing. What I think with this defense too is like you. Like I've said before, the only starting positions available really are the the Ogan Joby spot, who may who may come back. You never know. Right. And then and then the second cornerback spot. That's the only different. You know, the only positions that are up for grabs. And Kobe Bryant going up against Eli Apple day one. No. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. Uh, he lacks a lot of the awareness stuff that I would like to see from a day one, like starting corner in the National Football League. But that's mm-hmm. not to say that 
he go to training camp and blow them away. And, and, and then all it takes is Eli to have like an ankle injury or, you know, whatever. It could be anything. But it, a lot of things happen where guys get catapulted up and moved up in depth charts. So you, you never know how that will go. But I think the reason why you go Andrew Boob early or the reason why you go uh, Linderbaum early is because in my mind, and based off of what I've seen, whether you believe in Linderbaum's arm length or whatever you want to use to take away from whatever, he's going to test like an athletic freak. He's an right. animal. And, it, and, the, and the whole concept of the all season to me was about taking care of Joe Burrow. And I still haven't left that. And that's to block for Joe Burrow. To say that Carmen is the day one starter left guard is silly to me. To have to have him battle it out is what is an ideal situation for me and let him earn the spot. If Linderbaum was on a on a board at, at number 31, it gives you the ability to have Karras move over to left guard. And now Carmen gets ready at whatever position you want him to get ready at. If you want him long term to be the left guard, or you want him long term to be the right tackle, or whatever the Bengals have planned for him. I just think that Linderbaum, like right there, is a day one plug and play starting center. I question some of his anchoring that he would have against like some of like a Jeffrey Simmons or something like that. But one thing that the Bengals haven't seen from the center position and people you you would have to you would have to watch like um like some of the best guys. Like let's let's take a look at Creed Humphrey. What he does in the run game and the same thing that Linderbaum does in the run game. When Joe Burrow gets, I mean, Joe Burrow, when Joe Mixon gets to that second level, he's still out there and he's right. in space and he's still running with him. And right. those are the things that I don't think I've seen from a Bengals center in I don't even know how long, bro. It's been forever. So, like, in the run game, he will go crazy. Hash protection, I think he'll go crazy. I just think he will have a problem with his anchor. And say a guy gets off of his chest, the shorter arms and everything like that, I can see it have a problem. But some of the better centers in the NFL had the same length. Like, I think Preet Humphrey is, like, half an inch shorter or longer than Linderbaum. So people use that as an excuse not to get Linderbaum. But I think he saws a lot if he was there at 31. And the way that the board is looking and the way that these mocks are now looking based off of the combine, I think it's a high chance that him and Andrew Roof are there. So we'll mm-hmm. see what the Bengals do. But that that's that's still, like, let's, let's solidify the offensive line. Let's use Carmen, Adenogy, Prince, all these guys at their natural position for depth right. purposes. And then that way we run out our best five every week. We come and we and at the most they're only going to activate nine, ten at the very most on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. We run out there with our best nine and, mm-hmm. and we're ready to go. Anybody have a hiccup during the game? We're not looking at a guy that's playing out of position. Yeah, I get it. So you you kind of would feel like you would rather go with the lineman there. Uh, for for my response, it, it is, depends on the lineman though. It has to be a lineman that that is ready to go day one, and it's a unique mm-hmm. situation with Linderbaum mm-hmm. playing center. Him playing right. center allows him to like he'll forever be a center. He can't play any other position. Play guard or it, it's so different. If you tell me about Zion, Zion that, or Kenyon Green, something that you think would keep the Bengals from picking him, like position versatility, because Trey Hopkins he could play guard and center billy price he could play guard and center do you think that would work against him if it was like he can how do we know he can only play center is it just because draft mix are saying that or is it because he's never played center like i mean he's never played guard whatsoever i looked at this in the overall this is how 
Mm-hmm. In the overall history of the NFL, a guy with that arm limb, it just doesn't work to get defenders off of guard. his body. Like, right. to be a guard, it doesn't work. The long arm guys are always on your edges to be able to reach block and get all these guys coming around, bending the corners and all that stuff like that. And then you have these variables with guys with shorter arms at guard. But nobody is I, that I, I've seen is successfully. Now, if you're saying Linderbaum in an emergency situation, you want to play guard or something like that, sure. But that is a good question. Like, say Kenyon Green, a guy that, that, is, that is said to have versatility, or mm-hmm. someone like Zion Johnson, they're on the board at the same time as uh, Linderbaum. With Zion Johnson, I like him a lot, but he has a lot of rawness to his game. And a lot of people, you know, he might go earlier than what people thought because he tested well. But the one thing about him is, yes, he has versatility, just like Kenyon Green has versatility. But they're not a guaranteed shoe-in. It almost, it's almost like drafting Jackson Carmen again. It's like you got this real, real good, talented guy, but it's not a solidified guy that's ready to go day one, plug and play. Now, will they value that in the, in the projection of him versus the plug and play of Linderbaum? That's a Bengals question to me. Right. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm I, – and I kind of presented it to you, but I'm, I'm kind of wondering – I really am presenting that to the Bengals. Like, what do they view him as? Because if the last thing that I would want them to do is to take another guy that's a lesser talent just because he's more versatile versus taking, you know, your best player or your best position available. If you can upgrade the center position and you still feel like Karras is an upgrade to the guard position, then I definitely think that you should. Um, someone had asked about and, – and, and it's a long-term solution at center too. The next four or five years, you like, I got my center. You locked in, right? No, that's facts. Um, so someone asked about uh Josh Joby. Josh Joby actually is the number one scoring guy on Prime, but the way that I think that you would view him, just because he's like a fifth round projected pick, it would probably be in a sense of a guy that they would take around that time, like similar to Josh Shaw. Like if you remember that draft, they ended up taking Josh Shaw in the later rounds. He was a a bigger corner that had some potential there. Um, really in his situation kind of failed just because of some off the field incidents before the draft. Uh, but that would be a situation where they could potentially take a Josh Joby, but Kobe Bryant, like looking at what PFF is saying about him, they said that he has a great feel for zone coverage and maintaining space uh, between routes. And that is important and crucial because when I broke down the numbers, looking at um, the number of zone snaps or zone coverage snaps for Eli Apple's position, that was the majority of the time what kind of coverage the Bengals actually played him in. So if they were to bring in someone like uh, like Kobe Bryant, he might actually fit that just because he's pretty good in zone. And whoever comes in there is likely going to probably play a heavy amount of zone snaps. Now, if Lou wants to change it up next year, because generally what he has had, at least what the data shows, is that he's kind of used Cheeto as the guy that really plays man. And then that second corner on the outside really just plays his own. Now, if he changes that scheme up next year, that's a possibility. Maybe he just does that because he feels like Eli is better in zone. Um, But whoever steps into that second position will probably play a heavy zone kind of coverage over there. Uh, Let me see if there's anybody we're missing. Now, Terrence Wiley said Kobe was okay, but he really got picked apart at at some times. And so, yeah. Yeah, I could uh I could see that. Man, Dudley says, yeah, Apple's not a man cover corner um to save his life. Right. So we had to scheme him. 
But but it kind of works in our favor though. Like I, feel, I uh, still feel like Apple gets a bad rap, but he played well last year. Like, but but he but he is right in the in the situation of like if you go man, against man. if we go against like some of the like I mean can he play man against uh I don't know like Chase Claypool or somebody like that? Sure, like just run with him. Like Chase Claypool isn't going to kill anybody with like a double move. Like just run with him. But like Eli Apple on an island with Deontay Johnson or somebody like that, like I'm not really trusting it. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like so, so, but that's the beauty of loose scheme to me. It's like it's a zone press uh, scheme, and Andrew Booth and, and Elam both fit that mold, and they both can do that. And mm-hmm. and Clemson, Clemson, I don't know what they always run just on tape, or whatever. They put him on an island at sometimes, and then other times I gave him help. But the one thing that he does, he has a great closing speed on on target. So I feel like. Booth, like, I mean, and he just he's just got that crazy toughness. So, like, the Super Bowl, you know, people go on to Eli Apple, the two catches that he gave up 19 yards or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. This isn't to say that Andrew Booth will probably do better in that, but I think he might play it a little bit tougher. And you usually kind of count on, like, a um, like a veteran guy like now that Eli Apple is just to be in the correct position. But at the same time, Cooper Cup is Cooper Cup. He's one of the best route runners in the in the National Football League. But as far as like playing it tough and being able, like, remember the one ball that uh, Eli was in there and his hand got in there, but he he couldn't quite like break it away or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. That's one that I just think like it, it's crazy. I was explaining this to people last year when we would do the last season when we would do the the um, the Twitter Spaces, and I'd be like, hey, look, right now Jamar Chase is a top three wide receiver. Or Joe Burrow's a top three quarterback. And they were like, what are you talking about, bro? He hasn't done that. It's, 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 it's like their rookie year. I'm like, listen, the way that the league is moving now, players that ball and are ready to play, they come out hitting the ground running. The Justin Jeffersons of the world, the A.J. Terrells of the world, the Patrick Sertains of the world, you know, like early on. And I think like when I look at Andrew Booth, he's a guy like I would trust, like day one, year one, go yeah. out there. I, I feel like Elam. I, I can't like trust a, Elam. I'm gonna be a I'm yeah. See what I'm saying? So, I can't really trust that Elam day one. Now could you know? And you, that's how, that's how you feel about Eli though. It's it's not yeah. that you don't think that Eli is good. It's like right. can you trust him right. in in a key in a crazy situation like that? And I think Andrew Booth is one of them guys that's just super rare. Sauces like that, Stingley's like that, but just like day one, they're ready to hit the ground running. And right. and and if they make a mistake or a guy catches a pass on them. It doesn't affect them, and right. that's very key to play cornerback. Like yeah. the last play can't affect your your next. And for play. for me with Elam, it's about the physicality. Now that's not to say that he, you know, can't be a good corner, but I do not trust him when it comes to like Nick Chubb hitting the edge, and it's him and Elam. I'm not trusting Elam to really make that tackle there. He hasn't shown from the tape that I watched any kind of desire to even really want and bring on physical contact as far as tackling. So for me, that's one of the only reasons when you play in the AFC North, we already know, like, you're going to have to tackle, you're going to have to stop things, you're going to have to seal that edge. And that's just not what I, what I, I really didn't see much of that from him. But before we get out of here, Zoom. Somebody um, asked a good question. A sports hernia, he'll be ready for training camp. But go ahead, I'm sorry. Nah, nah. Before we get out of <laughs> here, was there anything that you wanted to say in regards um, to us moving forward or just in general thinking of fans or, you know, thinking since Man. September or anything? 
always thanking you guys for uh the new ones that we picked up in this magical run with Cincy Jungle. I remember we came on here and people did not like what we were saying when we were in tank mode, you know, trying to get Joe Burrow when we first started Cincy Jungle. That was our first shows. So we went a whole year with some of the most like those shows were like really, really the tough. AJ Green one. <laughs> like we we Jeff went Blake. through some yeah, that was some crazy stuff to go through. So, like, that was a tough year because, th- like, we knew, like, day, day game three, like, this team was not good. Not good. But- yeah, we were done. <laughs> we went to war with the dog lovers, and we right. came out on top. And then we came back. Then we went and to I- war with the Chase Young lovers. A lot yeah, of people we- forget that. A lot of people don't, don't remember when. Some Bengals fans wanted Chase Young oh. over Joe Burrow. <laughs> to this day, I'm pretty sure. I mean, so we came out of that that year that, I mean, it was tough to do a show. I think people that just found us this year probably like, man, they're homers. I don't know. If you go back on them shows before, we were not. And, you know, <laughs> and I, I think we were just telling the truth. We just wanted, you know, the only way out was to get Joe Burrow. Then we go over to the next year. I feel like we had this new invigoration. We had this new rage you know with the the success of joe burrow then joe burrow gets hurt it was a tough show yeah yeah once we hit once we got past that once we did the aj green interview yeah once we did the like that was big but once we did the civil war here on cincy jungle and then you know guys like john sharon they were all a part of this and stuff and we had round tables of cincy jungle but once we got past that civil war i feel like we never looked back I feel like 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 when I, I I was cleaning out my phone, I was just posting like videos and stuff today. I mean, like every single week, it's like an epic moment. Like you know, week one, Minnesota, like Jamar says one and zero. We come on there, we going crazy. I think like you know, like somebody like uh, who was that like Baby Keem album or something had dropped. Like so, we were going crazy with the new Kendrick, and I was I was just going over videos and like the timeline of all this stuff that happened to get to it right now. It's super crazy. So if you hadn't watched this all along, I encourage you to go back on all of these. Like these are classic interviews Dirty that cake. are Dirty that are cake. all that, man. That, I mean Honda, Honda's Honda. What is it? Civic Honda's versus and the, Ferrari. Hondas and Ferraris. When I told people the Ferraris were coming, and people was like, I don't know about this. These guys with their fancy clothes. And then what happens? Joe Burrow gets the grill. He gets got the you know Jamar gets the gets the grill. T Higgins gets the grill. Like so now we've. We've evolved into this new thing, and that's how I think we ended up with the Winsonati podcast. And like people in the comments are saying, uh, they subscribe. Please make sure you subscribe to Winsonati. It's spelled just like Cincinnati, except with a W. Um, please make sure you do that because we're going to take this show over on over to there. But all of these shows that we have on there, I mean, please go back and check these ones out on Cincy Jungle. I think a lot of I don't know what it is with viewership or getting the word out sometimes. Mm-hmm. I don't know another – I don't think there's another pod that had this many interviews on it from a Bengals, like, source, period. And when you go mm-hmm. back and look at it, I mean, Hugh Jackson, Khaled Kareem, Fred Johnson, Quentin Spain, uh, Chris bro, yeah. Jeff, Ho- Jeff Hobson, Lin- Lindsey Patterson. I mean, anybody that you guys can name, I feel like me and Ace just did that on this on this Cincy Jungle. We, we started – with probably like a couple guys, but then we kind of just Williams, Sean Williams, Sean Williams is the first one, Jeff Blake, Willie Anderson. Like these, you know, these are some epic, epic interviews that will stand the test of time that we've done here. Chase's dad, Carl Carl Lawson. Yeah. Come on now. 
Like, bro, like we, we went crazy over here. So, like, I just want people to make sure that when we're talking about Bengals podcast, that we're 100% clear. I don't mm-hmm. think people have brought like some of this content that we have. And I think there's a lot of great podcasts that are out here, but I think we have something very, very unique. And I'm so glad that Cincy Jungle was able to, to see that early on. Yeah. And then as, and as it went on, it, we just kept on just picking up, picking up interviews and we're not going to stop. We're going to keep on going. So I got some people in the works now. So if you enjoy that aspect of it, the interviews, or if you just enjoy uh, wait, maybe it's a Monday right after a game. Please make sure you come and subscribe to the Cincinnati podcast, and we can, you know, we can get you fired up as usual. Um, I don't think we'll have to tank ever again. Nah, I don't think I don't <laughs> see us having to tank whatsoever. But um, guys, just want to say thank you to all of the supporters and everything. Whether you were buying merch, whether you were listening to me and Zim after wins, losses, all of that. Um, just want to say thank you to Cincy Jungle for once again giving us this platform. Uh, believing in us, trusting that, you know, very early on, like literally after we filmed our first episode, they came to us and wanted to bring us within the fold. Um, so we just appreciate them for everything, uh, working through things as a family and and just feeling like a part of this family. And uh, yeah, man, I'm just glad that we're in this space and grateful for all of the energy, the positive energy. Um, and so we appreciate you guys and the support. And as usual, we'll end this with a yes. Sersky. Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it had a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> uh, never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.